You're listening to The Lead, a podcast where we learn how to get ahead in the media industry from the people that did. I'm Daniel Funky. As many of you know, I'm a senior at the University of Georgia. I actually graduate in two short days after nearly four years at this awesome institution. And as such, today is my last ever episode as host of this podcast. And boy, do we have a great guest for you to listen to. But first, a word from our sponsor. This podcast was created by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership as part of its Innovation Fellowship Program. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Today in the show, we have Erica Hernandez, a multimedia journalist at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I met Erica while interning for the AJC two summers ago, only a few weeks after she graduated from the University of Florida and began working through Cox Media Group's Digital Talent Program. She has fantastic insight about cross-platform local news production, and her experience as a recently graduated millennial journalist made her a great fit for my last interview as host of The Lead. Here's our conversation. Hey, Erica. How's it going? Hi, Daniel. Good. Good to be here. Great. Well, thank you so much for letting me come down and crash uh, your workday at the AJC today. It's a welcome Uh, break. (laughs) It's actually the last interview that I'll be doing for the podcast before my replacement's name, so I'm glad to be talking with you today. I met you almost two years ago, actually, when I started interning Mm -hmm. for the AJC as a breaking news intern, Um, and I was struck by the innovative nature of the work you do every day, especially with the uh, paper's mobile product. How have you seen your work with cross-platform journalism change the way the AJC thinks about digital content? That is a great question, Daniel, and I think there's a bunch of different answers to that. So when I started and when you first met me, I was working on the Um, digital team working strictly with the mobile app and with mobile web content. And my role has changed and evolved kind of as our needs on mobile have changed and evolved. So at first, uh, I was working with creating content that mobile audiences would want to consume on the app and thinking about push notifications and what to send push notifications on and when to send push notifications. And, you know, our strategy has totally ramped up um, as far as push notifications and things like that to a point where it's not just me doing it anymore. I pretty much don't do a lot of it anymore, but the whole entire digital team is scheduling. They're using emojis. They're scheduling push notifications for the weekend when people will be, you know, looking for a brunch restaurant on Sunday. Here is, you know, our picks for brunch and different things like that. The paper has become so much more digital and so much more mobile friendly, I would say. I think that before we were kind of a step behind in terms of what we were sending out as push notifications, when we were getting them out. And now I feel like I get so much of my news from the push notifications that the peers who are sitting next to me are sending. You know what I mean? I know sometimes I'm there and I know what they're sending and I you know, know before they send the push notification. But a lot of times, like on the weekends or on the evenings, I'm at home and those notifications are really kind of letting me know this is what's going on. This is what you're missing right now. Or this is something you need to know before you drive to work and that kind of thing. Just like this morning with the chemical spill on um, I-85 and the downtown connector, you know, I, as soon as I woke up, I had that push notification on my phone and I thought, oh, I've got to check my commute. I got to see if I have to get out of bed right now and get get on the road. And I think that's kind of um, the next phase of where news, I think news has been going that way for a long time. And I think the AJC is, you know, on the same page and on pace with bringing news to phones around you. And to kind of expand a little bit on that, I, you, as you know, I was a big proponent of Snapchat and different mobile um, platforms and social platforms that could be a news delivery method for the AJC. And since the time, since about two years ago, we've grown 
probably 10 times our audience on Snapchat. We use daily Instagram stories to tell people five things they need to know today. And we link to stories that they can read more about, you know, news they may have missed while they're sleeping. And I think, you know, while that doesn't fall under the traditional mobile app, push notifications, mobile news, you know, spectrum, I think it's another important place where the AJC is pushing to bring our readers news. You mentioned that over your time at the AJC, you've seen a kind of robust growth on the digital team. Have you seen digital engagement spread beyond the digital team to the newsroom at large among reporters and editors, too? Are they taking up on social media, uh, so to speak, and, you know, thinking about how their story is going to be built online? Absolutely, absolutely. In the time since I've been here, we've changed content management systems. And I think that's helped tremendously in terms of getting the reporters to think about their digital presentation and digital optimization. We have, you know, people in the newsroom who work on figuring out what the keywords are for things on, you know, Google so we can get more search traffic. We have um, this thing called Opticorn, actually, that one of our um, producers created that tells you, like, your story gets a 9 out of 10 in terms of optimization. You could get a 10 if you add a video, you know, to try to look for, does it have a good photo? Does it have, you know, related links? Does it have all the topic tags that it needs to have? Does it have a good headline, a search-friendly page title, a SERP description? So it's a daily part of our reporters' you know, workflow. When they post a story and they send a link out, you know, they have to make sure there's all the components, all the necessary components, more than ever before the pressure is on. Especially, I mean, I'm working on the visuals team right now, and video is a huge push for us. We want every story to have video on it. And we've seen huge growth in terms of video views because of that. And I'm, you know, consistently checking to see that every URL URL that gets published has a video. And more and more I find these days that they do. And I'm stoked to see that. Another part of what you work on in the newsroom is really trying to foster hyper-local journalism, which I know the AJC has been working on for a really long time. What... What do you think is the most important thing to keep in mind when you're conducting hyper-local journalism really focused on specific communities, in this case, around Atlanta? For sure. And the AJC has been delving into hyper-local for a couple months now, and it's been a really successful pursuit for us. And I think the thing to remember is you have to know your audience. And I think at the beginning, you know, we're kind of just throwing things up against the wall and seeing what sticks, and then slowly learning that, you know, in Cobb County, if there's a Publix closing or a Kroger closing, that's going to be something that people really care about and want to know more about and want to know exactly which store and why and when. And, you know, that's just an example. And in other places, you know, health inspections in restaurants that are frequented in Gwinnett, if they're not doing, if they get a bad health inspection, you know, that's going to pick up and those kinds of things. So I think the insights that we can garner from what does best day to day on social, on mobile, and in all of our, our platforms is the most important thing to finding that success with the hyperlocal audience. And at the end of the day, why do you think local journalism is so important? And I think it's becoming more of a conversation as more important papers are bought up or they combine or they're shutting down altogether. And there's kind of a new renewed focus on the importance of local journalism. To you, what does that mean? That is such a great question. And I think it's, you know, local journalism, I mean, is so important and so huge. And it makes me so sad to see when, you know, smaller newspapers aren't able to, you know, stay publishing seven days a week or are being bought out by bigger companies and maybe shut down or things like that. And, you know, the AJC is a regional newspaper and it serves 
more than just the metro Atlanta area. We really branch out to some of those counties of North Georgia and South Georgia, especially when hurricanes hit and things like that. And, you know, there's just, I wonder about the stories that would go untold if, you know, the AJC weren't here and weren't pushing to get the story behind, you know, this crime or, you know, this store that's closing even, you know, what is underneath all of that? And especially now, I think, you know, we're delving into this new project called Regarding Race here at the AJC, which is taking a broad subject and looking at it with the local lens of what is race relations look like in Atlanta? What do different ethnicities and racial groups representation look like in the metro and greater metro area? And what does that mean for the future of the metro area? And I think, you know, I wonder if people would be asking that question even if the AJC weren't. To give an example, Cobb could be going majority-minority by 2020, and that's a huge shift. You've grew up in the metro area, and I'm sure you're familiar with Cobb and Marietta. You know, it's very, was considered suburban sprawl for so long, and now it's becoming more of a metro area. And it's so interesting to see the cultures and racial dynamics shift there. And I think, you know, those are the stories that could go untold and kind of need to be told. I think it's interesting that you brought up the AJC's efforts to ask questions about race and uh, the way that race plays out in Atlanta specifically, especially since that issue has been so tangible these days with Black Lives Matter and police shootings around the country. What special role do you think local journalism and newspapers specifically can play in helping foster that discussion and make it a little less volatile? That's another great question, and I think we're still figuring out how is the best way to foster that and not have a volatile reaction from everyone. I mean, it's a heated topic, and everyone has very strong opinions that are, you know, hard to, you know, change or rearrange. So right now, we're trying to approach this as a way of, like, laying all the cards out on the table. You know, some of this might offend some people. You know, we're just trying to get opinions and get the the tone of the conversation out there and see where different people fall on the spectrum of race and ethnicity. So um, I think, you know, as the AJC, we're we're poised to do this and, you know, try to get the conversation started, but by no means will we be leading the conversation. And you were hired at the AJC after taking part in Cox Media Group's Digital Talent Program, which seeks to train diverse recent graduates for a career in digital media. How did that experience help you prepare for becoming a full-time journalist after college? That is great. You know, I was hired through DTP. I was doing my DTP year when I met you here at the AJC. And I think it was, you know, I had interned at the AJC kind of like you had the summer before. Well, you interned even earlier, but I interned the summer before my senior year at the University of Florida. And I knew I wanted to come back. And the DTP helped me get into um, the newsroom, back into the newsroom after I graduated. It was kind of like a fellowship in that it was a full-time position. Like I was able to start working full-time right out of college at the AJC, but once the year was up, it was up to the AJC to hire me or, you know, for me to look for another position, hopefully within Cox Media Group. So I think it helped me get my foot back in the door at the AJC, and, you know, once I was a part of the newsroom, I felt like it was something that I was going to continue to be a part of. Like, I had no desire to leave, and luckily my editors had no desire to see me leave, so it made for a very smooth transition once that year was over for me to continue to work with the AJC and all the great editors here. And what did you learn during the course of the program, whether it be about digital media or how to be a millennial in a legacy newsroom that really informed uh, your career decisions later on? 
well, I think we could do a whole podcast about how to be a millennial in a legacy newsroom, and that would just be just full of so much information. We could talk to a whole bunch of people. You know, when I started at the AJC, I was one of, like, three millennials in the newsroom, and now, today, I would say I'm probably one of, like, 12. And it's only been about two years, maybe a little less, since I started working with the, started at the DTP program. So I'm really happy to see how it's grown, and I think there's so much to unpack with being a millennial in a legacy newsroom. There, you know, being a millennial in any field right now, you know, there's a lot of stigmas you have to combat, and you, I'm sure, have already seen this in your internships, and will definitely continue to see it when you go out and work in, once you graduate, there is just, you know, there's a bad rap that millennials get, and not everyone has that bias against you, you know, you'll meet people who are like, you are the future, you are the bright future, I'm so eager to have you here, you know, you are brilliant, and as you are, but there'll be other people who are, like, a little more hesitant towards you and want to make sure you know what you're talking about and you know what you're doing and maybe a little standoffish. Luckily, here at the AJC, I haven't faced a lot of the latter, and I think they've been so welcoming and eager to have millennials in the newsroom and have us contribute in big ways to what the AJC does, and I think it makes the brand that much stronger. And I think the biggest piece of advice I would give to someone who's a millennial who's going into the workforce, whether it be journalism or anything else is just to have the best positive attitude you can in every every day when you wake up for work even if it's early even if you're exhausted even if you're frustrated with what you're doing if you come in and are positive and helpful you'll succeed specifically for recent grads or soon-to-be journalism graduates that want to work at legacy news organizations especially newspapers despite what their parents are telling them what their professors are telling them what advice would you have for them to break into that industry I think that doing an internship and making those connections is the biggest and best way to get your foot in the door wherever you want to go. You know, it's hard to make your resume pop when you're just sending a resume to someone who doesn't know you. It's hard to make that cover letter sell yourself if there is no face with that name. So making those connections however you can is the, the biggest thing you can do. And I mean, it, it comes down to your experience and your clips and to sometimes who you know a little bit too in terms of networking and getting your, your name kind of at the top of mind in certain hiring managers' um, brains. But I think the biggest thing is just to apply to whatever you can, to put your name out there, to just, you know, as you've done and successfully done, re make sure you're applying to your reach jobs and reach organizations and not to really think about the pessimistic side of, you know, jobs getting eliminated. You know, for the most part, you're going to be applying to jobs that aren't getting eliminated. You'll have better luck definitely applying to digital jobs than you would if you're trying to apply for a straight print, you know, page designer or, you know, just a straight photographer if you're trying to apply for a video job or for a web management job or for an SEO optimization job, you know, those are definitely more of the job titles that are popping up at these legacy organizations. And I think though that is where you're going to have more luck as a young recent grad to get your foot in the door. I think a lot of people graduate and they're like, I want to go write features for the lifestyle section. And, you know, you may end up wanting to do that down the line, but to get your foot in the door somewhere right off the bat, you're going to have to apply to that digital job and kind of earn your keep first. Since this is the last episode of The Lead for the second season, and my last as the host, I want to ask you a question that I haven't really asked anybody before, either on this season or the season before. To you, and especially as someone that's so young in the journalism industry, 
What do you think makes a really good leader in the media industry? That is a great question. It's, you know, and I feel like we're so lucky at the ADC to have so many. And I'm thinking of, you know, some of the leaders that I really look up to and respect. And I think it goes, it kind of goes back to something I've touched up upon when leaders are open to the young people's input, you know, when they value every employee's opinion. And I think that that is something I've been lucky to see here at the AJC. And it's what makes a leader, you know, come out with the best product at the end of the day is when, you know, everyone is contributing no matter what level they're coming from, whether it's the intern or it's the senior investigative reporter, that everyone's voice is heard and everyone has a seat at the table. And I think that can only lead to the best product possible, whether it's a newspaper or it's an app or it's a story or a photo or a video, you know, just having the range in diversity of age and diversity of races and ethnicities kind of represented and having input. Erica Hernandez, thank you so much. Thank you, Daniel. This is so fun. (laughs) Erica Hernandez is a multimedia journalist at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thank you so much for listening to The Lead. When Keith Herndon, director of the Cox Institute, asked me to create this podcast last year, I thought he was nuts. I didn't have any audio experience, and I wasn't sure how to host my own show. But now, as I'm about to jump headfirst into the media industry, I'm so glad I did. Thank you to Dr. Herndon, Grady Dean Charles Davis, and all the guests whom I interviewed for The Lead. You've all made my journey into audio storytelling possible. And while I'm leaving the lead very soon, I'm happy to say the show will be back next year with even more interviews with media leaders. In fact, I'll be announcing the next hosts, that's hosts, plural, of the show in a special episode next week. But for now, listen to all of seasons one and two at soundcloud.com slash the lead podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the lead podcast.